Good morning, Plum Creek Christian Church. How are we doing today? Good. And some of us are still maybe on fall break, um, enjoying that last maybe day or so. Uh, for those of you who are in Pendleton County, I'm sorry, you guys have already been back for a week, um, but the Campbell County people are enjoying this last moment. Uh, my name is Jimmy Rancho. I'm the uh, Next Gen Minister here, and it is my pleasure to be able to speak to you uh, today on, uh, in this topic and in this uh, series, this I Have a Question series, is, uh, these questions that we've put out to you, and uh, as Doug talked about last week, that we've gone through these lists of questions and tried to pull some out that had similar um, together. So I, I'm actually going to be answering two questions today, um, but before we get into that, uh, if you guys could open up to to, uh, the book of uh, Deuteronomy in chapter 6 is where we're going to be. So if you want to go ahead and open that up in your Bibles, uh, if that's on an app or if it's actually like a physical Bible, go ahead and get there. As you're doing that, I'd like to tell you a story that, that happened to, w- with me and my family uh, a couple years ago. So my son was in kindergarten and he was going for his first day of school. Now he was going to ride the bus for the first time ever. Uh, those of us who have been parents to kids that are riding the bus, it can be kind of scary, right? Because if you think back into your own, oh, there we go, a little feedback there. If you think back to your own lives, you go, man, I remember what I experienced on the bus, right? Not always great, not always wonderful, you know, and it wasn't always the most supervised time. And I remember just being kind of scared because, you know, I didn't know what my young son was going to experience. So he went, got on the bus like a champ, got in this seat, and they had an extra person there that was helping watching and made me feel a lot better. I went out throughout my day that day. It was on a Monday. At that time, I took Mondays off. And so when he came back and got off the school bus, he was so excited. And I was like, oh, this is great. I can't wait to hear what he has to tell me about his first day of school. And so we started talking this and that. And I said, well, what was the best part? He goes, well, I met a friend on the bus. I'm like, great. That's awesome. I met a friend on, you met a friend on the bus. Yeah. Yeah. And he told me that there's a swamp monster in our woods and that it's going to get us. Right? Like, like, a what? (laughs) A swamp monster. I said, buddy, there there is no swamp monster. Uh Uh-huh. He said that his dad told him that it was true. And I looked at him and said, well, you know, son, um, his dad's an idiot, and I'm right and he's wrong. Listen to me, there is no such thing as a swamp monster behind our woods because we don't have swamps. So we went through this little thing back and forth. But I remember being like kind of very frustrated, like one day, one day into school, and he's already hearing lies, right? And he's already coming back believing them more than me. It was very crushing, very frustrating, and, and he, you know, I look back and kind of chuckle at it now, but I'll tell you, in our world that we live today, we send so many of our young out there, and we really don't know what they're going to experience, and for parents and grandparents, that can be really scary, can't it? You don't know what they're going to hear, what they're going to latch on to, what influence is going to be on them, and it can really almost feel like... It's a losing battle, but I'm here to tell you that it's not. See, the questions that we got today, there's, there's two of them. The first one was this. 
How do we approach raising our kids as Christians in a world where they will be exposed to so much in schools and slash in media? And then the second one is this. My now adult children were baptized around ages six and seven. It was their choice at the time, yet now they do not seem to believe. Are they really saved? These are two big questions, aren't they? And I'm going to try to get this answered as, as much as I can in this short amount of time and understanding that some of this needs to be unpacked even more. So uh, for, really for the first question, probably through the next week or two, I'm going to be cutting together some other videos and some more applicable uh, ways that you can help do this thing called disciple making within your family. And so I want you to know that, that, that just what you hear today is just the tip of the iceberg. But with that being said, I think we need to understand this one main point. This one main thing is this. You are to be the disciple maker of your family. You are to be the disciple maker of your family. Now, I I want you to know I'm not calling anyone out here. When I'm saying this today, I'm saying it right to myself. Because I know, as a minister here, I've got a lot of things going on, and you may be thinking, well, you're a minister. It should be really easy for you to be making disciples of your own kids. No, it's it's just as challenging. And you may be thinking, well, shoot, Jimmy, I'm not trained. I haven't been to school about this. I, I really don't know much about this Bible. But the reality is that's what we are called to do as leaders of our household, is we are to make disciples of our children. You may be thinking, wow, that's kind of extreme. No, it's, it's not. It's answering the call that Jesus left us with, isn't it? I want you to know before you get in as well that, that a lot of some of, this, uh, the, some of this stuff that I'm going to be teaching to you is actually from this book called Dedicated, and there's a picture of it right there. Um, it's a book that I've read a couple times now. Uh, it's called Dedicated, Training Your Children to Trust and Follow Jesus. And uh, it's written by a father and son and then one of their other ministers on staff at a church. And it's got a, gr- a lot of great insights, m- some more that I'm going to be uh, expounding upon throughout some videos this week. But understand this. It is up to you to make the disciples of your children and of your family. That is a personal call. For far too long, I think, our churches have put it on this idea like, like and that we as a church members have gotten, well, if I bring my kids and I take them to church and I get them involved in every single kind of, you know, church activity, that spiritual growth would just happen. They will take care of it. They'll take care of the spiritual education. And I come home and I get learned, I learn from it, but that will be the, 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 the way. And that doesn't, you know, because we're in a society where we send our kids to school and that's where they're taught, it's kind of the same idea that has been pushed upon us here at churches. And the reality is this. At best, we have your children between three and five hours a week. Right? At best. That's if you guys are coming every single week and you're getting yourselves involved in all the other little tiny activities. The reality is that they spend a lot more time with you than they do me or any of the other people here at the church. And you need to know this and own this. You are a major influence in their life. We want you to know that, that even though this could be a daunting task, I know that you can do it. 
I know that we can do it. We have to own it, and we have to make it the priority of our lives. I want to look at an old, that Old Testament scripture in Deuteronomy and see what it has to say about this. This is Deuteronomy 6, verses nine through, or 4 through 9. It says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord with your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons and shall talk, to them, or talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. You shall write them on your doorposts of your house and on your gates. If that scripture sounds familiar, it's because Jesus also talked about this scripture too when they were asking him, teacher, what is the greatest commandments, right? He said, love the Lord God with your heart, mind, your soul, and your strength. And then he also followed up and the, father, the other is this, to love your neighbor as yourself, right? This is a very important scripture that we need to understand. And we need to know that we want to impress this onto our children. In verse 7, it says, you shall teach them diligently. This is Moses talking to the people, to the nation of Israel. Israel at this time had, had wandered the desert for 40 years. And knowing that Moses was not going to go into the promised land, he kind of gave them this final send-off. Saying, when you go into this land, a land where you will be strangers, a land where you will be conquering, a land where you will encounter a lot of ideals and ideas and God worship that is not to your own, this is what you need to do. If you're a Hebrew or if you're uh, Jewish, you know this is the Shema. This is a prayer that they pray quite often. And it's something that we should really look into our, our life and understand it as almost a model of how we can disciple our children. So first thing we must understand is this. You must model what a growing relationship with, G with Jesus Christ looks like. You must model what a growing relationship with Jesus Christ looks like. That's more than just bringing your kids to church. What does it look like in your life? How do you live? How do you get closer to God? And how are you going to show that to your children? We want you to own this. Like I said before, you are the most influential person in your child's life, both positive and negative. Know that for sure. For sure. You are the most important and influential person in your child's life, either positive or negative. I hope and I pray that we are all positive impacts into our children's lives. But I understand where we fail, where sin comes in, and the reality is if we become such a negative force in our children's lives, they are going to go and seek out other influences on their own life. Am I right? They will look beyond you into somewhere else. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't want you to hear that Jimmy's saying just always be positive to your children. No, I, what I mean by that is we need you to show them what Jesus' love looks like by how you teach and love and interact with them. So when we look at this scripture, it talks about 
four different areas in which you should be teaching and talking to your children. The first is this. He says, when you sit at home, right? It says, it talks about that you need to teach them diligently, right? That, that phrase was right there. You need to teach them diligently. You know, this is something that is not just said once or twice. It's something that is repeated over and over and over. What we need to do is learn how to create practices within their lives. Help model the practices you have in your life. When do you do your personal devotion time? It's important that maybe you invite them in to do the devotion time at the same time as you. You don't have to do them together. You can. But maybe there's a time that you set aside in your life, in your family time, where, hey, for the next 20 minutes, guys, we're just going to sit down. We're going to read. We're going to read the Bible. We're going to discuss what it says. And we're going to pray. How does that look? Maybe, Maybe you're reading a book. A Christian book that's helping you out. Maybe you're listening to sermons or podcasts. How are you willing to share that with them in their in their in your home? Your goal should make your home a safe place for your kids to ask questions, hard questions, questions that might even challenge you, questions that might drive you to saying, "Hold on a second, I need to text Doug." Those of us who have, uh, have been putting young children to bed at night, you know, as they, it's like as they lay down, right, all the questions come out and all the heavy questions. And my wife, she, she actually puts our kids to bed uh, much more than me because I think they love her more than they do me. Um, I'm just joking. <laughs> but uh, they, they really enjoy being there with her. And she'll come down sometimes like, good night. You should have heard the questions they were asking me. She's like, finally, I just said, you need to ask your father tomorrow. You know, like, there's, a, there's questions that want to be asked by children, and we must welcome them. And it's okay if you don't know right then and there. Tell them that. Be honest with them. Please don't make anything up, because that will get you in much more of a, a deeper situation. Create a safe environment for them to go to you with problems. If you can do that when they're young, when they're older, they'll be more willing to go and to talk to you. Not just when little questions come up, but bigger questions. Questions like, I don't know if I really believe this anymore. Okay, let's talk about it. Let's see why. Should, Should I marry this person, mom or dad? I don't know. Let's look. Is this something that God wants in your life? We want to create the spot at home where they can ask you and be free to ask you about anything. And please do this. If you don't know the answer, do ask one of us. We're here to help. We're here to walk along. But always bring that answer back to them. You know what it's like when you've asked someone a question and they've ghosted you, right? For those of you who are maybe a little older and don't know the ghost lingo, it's when you maybe text someone and then they never text you back and you've ghosted away. Don't ghost anyone when they ask questions. Find the answers and bring them back. It says this, when you walk along the road. What does that mean when you walk along the road in today's society? See, back then, when you walked places, which was pretty much all the time, it took you a while to get anywhere. 
And as you walked along, you would have conversations. This past summer uh, at CIY, we were at Bowling Green University, and we had a lot of fun there, but there was over a mile walk between where our dorms were and where we ate and where we went to worship. And so three to four times a day, we were walking that one-mile track to and from. It took us about 25 minutes each way. At that time, though, I know for me, I had only been here for about a week. It was great because I was able to talk to students and get to know them and know their hearts more, ask them questions, get to tell them stories about myself so they got to know me. It was really this beautiful time of of built-in, like, conversation. But today, we don't walk really anywhere unless if we're trying to lose weight, right? So, what are our ways What is along the road? Our society, we drive a lot more now, don't we? I mean, it's more and more, it seems like we're driving all day long. I know, you you wake up in the morning, you drive to work, you get home from work, you throw some food down on the plate, eat it up, go drive your kid to practice, then to another practice with your other kid, and you're in the car, it feels like sometimes, all day long, am I right? Well, I think there's so many times where it's easy for us with children if we just let them be on their phones during that time. Or we just put a DVD into the DVD player and let the TVs run. No, no, we should look at those times as optimal observations, optimal times to, to ask them what is going on in their life. Ask them questions like, what is God teaching you in this moment? How did you see God today? Who in your class needs prayer? And I know it may sound kind of cheesy at first, but more and more as you go, it becomes more useful, and it also becomes more comfortable. You can even take times of doing some worship. Turn on Caleb 93.3, put your own Spotify mix on, whatever you want. Don't waste this time with your kids. Don't turn it into a bad thing. I know some people get stressed out when they drive. Also, don't be a bad witness as you drive. Control your anger as much as you can. Breathe deeply when people are morons when they drive around you. And as much as you can, do not let that anger boil over. Because I know this, and you do too, if you've been a parent or even a grandparent. Kids, it's monkey see, monkey do, right? They will copycat everything. You do this, I'm going to do that. You do this, I'm going to do that. The way you talk is the way they're going to talk. I see that in my own three-and-a-half-year-old right now. I'll come home, and he will say phrases, and I'll look right at Molly because it's exactly how she would have said it. Even the facial features. And I know there's times where my daughter will say things in exactly how I would have said it. They mimic us, and that's a good thing. But it's also something that we need to take serious and only have a mimic the great things that we do. When you lie down and when you get up, these are great times to gather as a family together. You know, at night, it, let's, let's be honest. For most of us, young, parents with young children, when we say, hey, it's time to brush your teeth and go to bed, it, it's like someone has like 
put Mountain Dew in my kids' veins. They just go crazy. Like, they do whatever they can not to brush their teeth and get into bed. And yet, so it's like herding cats, trying to get them all here, there, and everywhere. And then finally, you get their teeth brushed, we get them upstairs, and we have this time of prayer. And there will be so many times in the past years where I just get so frustrated, because for me, prayer is something that is so solemn and great and a wonderful time. And, but yet, to some of my younger children, yeah, they're having fun, and they're getting mad. And so I would start yelling at them during prayer time, and I think to myself, do I want my kids to be associating prayer time with a negative. No. So we let them kind of pray how they want a little bit. If there's my daughter on the ground laying with her feet in the air, kicking as she's praying, that's what we do. It's a good time where we can get together and we can recap the day. We make sure everybody prays so they get comfortable using it and doing it. And even... As they get older, understand this, at night might not be the most optimal time for you guys to meet as a family. As you, kids get into middle school and high school and they have more and more evening events, it's hard to gather back then, but in the morning you're all together. Create a time where you guys meet together for breakfast. Have some prayer together. It's important to cover them with prayer, and we'll get to that a little bit later. And the last thing he says is use your hands your head, and your house, really to talk about the Lord. And, and what he says here is like, yeah, well, I was going to show you that. But write them on, or, uh, and bind them as a sign on your head and as they shall be on your frontals of your forehead. Write them on your doorposts of your house and your gates. It's really these ideas, these boxes they would call phylacteries. Go ahead and show that next picture. That's actually an ancient picture of one, but in modern times there's one on the elbow there and one on the head. It's these little boxes that, that, uh, that, Jewish people will write these prayers and they put them on and they have them with them all day long. In our lives, I'm not saying that we need to go to Dollar Tree and buy little boxes and start strapping them to our heads. Okay, I don't want you to do that. But a lot of us have a box with us all the time, don't we? And more and more kids are getting younger and younger and they have these too. How can we use these to help teach them about Jesus? Are there lunch boxes that you can put scripture in each and every day, reaffirming notes that you are loved by me and by your Father and by, by your Creator God? How can you encourage and remind your children? Can you write on the mirror every morning something encouraging to them? We must look at uh, the things around us and use those to dedicate those to, to putting Scripture around our children. Let them know these truths that have stand test, the test of time. Second thing is this. You need to show your family on how to go to the Bible for guidance and advice and not Google or other untrusted sources. We have to push our children to know that we have a truth here in a world that declares there is no truth. Doug, last week talked about the, the Bible that is in the reality and the re reliability of the Scriptures. And we must understand that it is truth that has lasted. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says this, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. 
Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Not only do we need to do this better, we need to show and model to our children how we can do this. How do we show them that, hey, when you have a problem, let's look to Scripture and see what God has to say about it. I think about it. We've been watching a lot of movies lately, and um, during the pandemic, we actually started going through uh, watching all of the uh, Avengers in chronological order. Anyone done that before? It's like 26-plus movies. It's insane. Um, But although it's a superhero movie, there is cussing in it. And we have talked to our children about that. But any time that the cuss words come out, my oldest son, Buddy's like, <gasps> did you hear that? <gasps> you know? And we t- I take that time to talk to them like, yes, well, I'll pause the movie and say, yeah, remember, we do not use that language. We don't use it because it's not honoring to God. It doesn't show who our character is in Christ. It tears other people down. And my last point is always, it doesn't make you sound intelligent. When all you're using is cuss words, you're not sounding like you're loving God with all your mind. And so we try to talk about that. So how are the ways in your life that you can do that? What are the examples that you can break down when, when things go awry, help show them and guide them in the Bible through stories where other people have struggled and how God pulled them out. See, this idea is we, we need to speak into the sinful world with truth. We need to get our children to own and know how and where to go when tough times come. And I can tell you this right now. When you're talking to your kids and maybe they're mouthing off to you and you tell them to honor your father and mother, and they're like, why? And say, so you can't say, like, because the Bible said so. It just doesn't hold up. And even in your world and when, as you are living as a Christian and witnesses to other people, you can't use that as well anymore. The Bible says so. It's such a cheap answer. How about this? Let me show you why I believe this. Look up in Scripture where it teaches about sin. And I think there's something else that we need to understand too. As your children grow your parenting style needs to adjust a little bit. I was listening to a, a guy uh, speak one time, and he talked about it. He goes, when your children are really from the time they're born until, you know, fifth or sixth grade, you really can act like a teacher to them. Their mind's pliable. You can teach them. You can show them. They're willing to just kind of listen to direction and take it and go. But right as adolescence starts coming in, and they start becoming to question who they are and question who, what they believe, and their minds start developing, you must make this transition to being a coach. See, a coach is more than a teacher, isn't it? And this isn't, not, you know, I'm not talking about jobs here, but the act of coaching versus the act of teaching. The act of coaching, right, you, you show them how to do it, you walk them through, and then you put them out to play. And if they mess up, a good coach doesn't yell at them and tell them that they're kicked off. Oh, no, wait, that was my high school coach, um, state, my freshman year. Uh, but 
A good coach doesn't do that, do they? They bring them back in. They show them what, what may have been done better. They bring them in. Good teachers do that too. I want you to know that. But really, you have to switch between being a teacher and being a coach. And it gets really hard, parents, that if you've got two or three that are younger and two or three that are older, you're shifting gears on the fly and you might miss a gear and grind, the, grind a little bit. That's okay. As a parent, it's okay to be wrong. It's okay. You can't be perfect all the time. And kids, if you're here, you need to learn to give your parents grace. Because a lot of times, this is the first time they've ever been doing this before. So we have to live in, in places of grace with each other. Third point is this. We must be willing to pray for your children and with your children. You must be willing to pray for them and with them. I spoke on prayer a couple weeks ago, so if you want to dive more into that, that's great. But there are some things that we need to do as families to really cover ourselves better in prayer. And the first thing is this. One, you need to be praying with your spouse. I don't think enough of us do that. We should be closing each and every day with our spouse in prayer. And if you've never done this before, I'm going to tell you, it's weird and awkward at first. It just is. But after a while, it becomes really easy. And I'll say, there are times in my, our lives that Molly and I do this really well, and then there's other times where, man, we're tired at night, but we'll sit there and watch three or four episodes of something, and we'll forget to do this. And we've got to get better than this. You've got to get better than this. Now, if you're a single parent out there, I want to tell you, that, like, like, look, maybe you don't, you don't have a spouse but you need to find someone else who can be a prayer warrior with you. Someone you can talk to daily and have them pray upon you and pray with you on things. Second thing, obviously, is you need to be praying with your family. Now, it's hard to do this at night. I already kind of discussed that a little bit. But there's a, some tricks you can do. One of the better things is uh, that I got from Mark Holman's book, Faith Begins at Home, says this, he calls him, finish the, the, the sentence prayer. And he gave it like this, Lord, I thank you for, and you let them finish the sentence. Lord, forgive me for, let them finish the sentence. And you say it too. Lord, one of the fears I need help with is, as a family, maybe you could come up with 14 of these, and you've got two weeks worth, and you can rotate through, through them. Ask your children to help participate in this. Make it an activity together. But you have to be praying with your family. If not, it's almost like you're sending your kid to school during the middle of the winter with no coat or gloves or boots on. We gotta cover our youngest ones in prayer and protection. Third thing is this. Make sure that you are praying around achievements, and crises. Learn to be praying in the high moments in your life. When you go and experience great things, show them how to pray for that. And thank God, the Creator, for giving you those moments. But also in moments of crises where things are falling apart, be willing to invite them and to pray with you. I remember as a young boy, my mom coming in one night and grabbing me and my brother and my sister. My dad was still at work, and uh, she had just received news that her friend had gotten in a very bad car accident, and she lived in another state. 
And so she just grabbed us all together. We were sitting on the floor in our room, and we just sat there, and we started praying for this person. Thankfully, everything turned out right. But I remember that moment. When things go haywire, where do we go? We go to the Father. We don't go to other things around here. We go to Him alone. So it kind of brings me to that second question. Now that my adult child, or my, now my adult children were baptized around ages six and seven, it was their choice at the time, and yet now they do not seem to believe. Are they really saved? I want you to understand, to, to answer this question, you know, need to establish that we believe here at Plum Creek Christian Church um, that yes, through our viewing and understanding of scripture, that you can lose your salvation. That is something that you can walk away from. Your faith can fall away and, and die off. And that's something that you have chosen to do. In Hebrews uh, chapter 6, verses 4 through 8, it says this, It is impossible for those who have been once enlightened, who have tasted with the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, and who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the coming of age, and who have fallen away to be brought back to repentance. So understand that it is impossible for those who have done all these things, said yes to Jesus, experienced the Holy Spirit, had a relationship, had a faith with him. It's impossible if they've fallen away to be brought back from repentance. To their loss, they are crucifying the Son of God over and over and subjecting him to public disgrace. The land that drinks in the rain often falling on it and that produces a crop useful to those for whom it is farmed receives the blessing of God. But land that produces thorns and thistles is worthless and in danger of being cursed. In the end, it will be burned. See, we aren't, what we understand is, yeah, you can lose your salvation. That's something else that, that you can walk away from. But I want you to understand this. I think it's harder than what we think. I think many times in our, in our world we think as Christians, man, if I mess up today and I don't ask for forgiveness and, and if I die tonight driving home, I'm going to hell. It's not like that. It's not like that at all. And sometimes you even, some of us live in this perpetual state of like, every time I sin, oh, I've lost my grace. Oh, I've, I've lost my salvation. No, 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 it's not like that either. See, our faith gives us power. Our faith gives us this ability to have confidence that we are living as forgiven people. And yes, we will encounter sin because sin is still here, but we are changed people, made new in Christ. And we have power that will overcome this. First Peter 1, 3 through 5 says, Praise to God to be <clears throat> praise be to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept for you in heaven, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming salvation that is already to be revealed in the last time. So to the answer of this question is, yes, you can, your children can walk away from their faith. I don't know the situation that they are in. I don't know where their faith is at. Jesus does. Jesus is our, he's our attorney, and he's also our judge. He's going to be the one making that decision. But I can tell you this. If you hold back to this main point, 
that you are the disciple maker of your family, your child still has hope. Because it's still on you to do these things to bring them back. To walk them back in. To do your best to bring them. And some will come running. And some will stand ground. And you do whatever you can to show them the love that is Jesus Christ. The freedom that is knowing what a good relationship with him looks like. And understanding that we are made for a different world and not this one with all the conveniences that it has. It's not always great for us, is it? So how do you do this? Well, you start today. You own this idea that you are the disciple maker of your family. That doesn't mean just when they're children. It can be when they're adults. How do you continue to pour into them? How do you continue to model a growing relationship with Jesus Christ to them? How do you continue to show them scripture that can help them in their terrible times that they're dealing with? And how can you be praying with them and for them? These are three key principles that, yeah, we can go into a lot more detail, but we really don't just have that time. But this is what we can do to save people. Look, it's hard to control what your kids are going to experience at school. It's hard to control what they're going to hear on the news. At our house, my kids are under the age of 10. We hardly have the news on. It's really hard to hear. But we should also be exposing to them to what the world is because the reality is they're going to get that exposure. And we need to learn how to filter that and tell them. But the biggest thing we need to do is this. We need to have them build a relationship, a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, the Son of God who came to this earth to walk around to show us what love truly is. And by taking all of our sins, dying on that cross, and then conquering it all when he rose again. See, that Jesus changes lives. That Jesus gives us eternity. That Jesus is what your children need to have a personal relationship with. And so do you. So are you ready to start being a disciple maker of your family? Let's pray. God in heaven, I thank you so much for being so good and for uh, guiding us in times that are so dark sometimes. Lord, I know that it's hard to always just be on guard. But Lord, let us do our best to raise children the way that you want them to be. Father, I ask that you Give us the strength and the courage and the discernment that we need as parents, grandparents, loved ones, and we can pour into other people. And Lord, I pray that you help raise other Christians to come up alongside us to help show us the way. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We're going to sing the last song, and if God has laid it on your heart, and you need to talk to somebody or have some prayer. I want to invite you up here. I'll be down here. I'll pray with you. Or maybe God has put a change on your heart and then you've, uh, you've made a decision for him. I want you to know that we're here for you as well. So let's go ahead and stand up and let's sing.